Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's up, man? Uh, you know, just hanging out. What's up with you? Oh, you know. Bible podcast. Bible podcast time. Super mega star influencer, Bible <laughs> podcaster. But beyond that, just chilling. Climbing the charts. Climbing the, I mean, I think we're in the Apple top five. Three. We've got to be. Got four. I haven't looked, but that's my guess. Yeah. People are clamoring to know more about the Bible. I feel like we got a good thing going on here. I think so. I think so. So, uh, yeah. I, we hope that you're doing well. We, uh, what day is today? Today, today is Wednesday? Yeah, today is Wednesday. Wednesday, September 13th. Wednesday, September 13th. Wednesday. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything significant about today. Do you have anything significant significant about today? It's the only Wednesday, September 13th, 2023 that you'll ever get. That's true, which means that we should be good stewards of spend the day. It wisely. Right. Yeah, and this is a good way to spend it. It's a great way to spend it. Talking about God's word, talking about the Bible. Thinking about it, studying yeah. it. Well, let's do that. Let's jump into Proverbs 23 and 24, and then we will also be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's do it. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 23. He opens up there with an interesting line about sitting down to eat with a ruler. Carefully observe what is before you put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Don't, in other words, don't eat too much of a good thing that's put in front of you by a king. Um, implication seems to be because you got to wonder about what the motives are. Sounds right. Yeah. There's ulterior motives. And right. There's no free lunch, as the saying goes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so we may not be put in a similar situation. You're, I don't think you're get, getting invited to the White House to, to eat the delicacies there. But but if you were. If you were. If Uncle Joe was asking you to come over and hang out with him. Yeah, and, don't put a knife to your throat because the Secret Service could misinterpret that. Yeah, I think they would. Yeah. But the they point is. finish the job. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, uh, beware of, uh, of unsolicited charity so to speak, because there could be ulterior motives there. That's hard though, because we don't want to walk around and be just skeptical people all the time. Well, wisdom knows when to apply it and when not to. True. True. So it's probably not a a blanket statement of do this always all the time. This is a a matter of saying, when when should I? When should I be on my guard? Right. Right. Good question to ask. Yeah. Uh, Verses four and five, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, wealth that is, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. That reminds me of my kids anytime that they get like five bucks from their grandparents. It's, it's gone. It's there and then it's gone. What did they buy? I don't know. Yeah. Ice cream, cookies. Yeah. And again, and we've mentioned this so many times, but there is the overlap here between the Solomon author of Ecclesiastes and Solomon, the author of of Proverbs and Solomon had a lot to say about this that we'll touch on when we get to the book uh, in Ecclesiastes about how wealth does not satisfy Mm. verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. So here's another one. We're talking about discipline and spanking, uh, corporal punishment. This says here, don't withhold that. Don't, don't, don't keep your kid from this blessing. <laughs> and the rationale is, is you're going to save him from death. Right. You're going to spare her from having to go through a much more grievous disciplinary response because of the foolishness of their heart, which, which says something. 
to me about, I remember back in, I don't know, it must've been middle school when the question was, is man inherently good and is corrupted by his environment or is he inherently evil and is simply living out and acting out his corruption? And of course now as someone who believes what the Bible says, it seems like the Bible makes it pretty clear. Mankind is inherently wicked from, from the womb we go astray, yeah. which is why we need stuff like this. The Bible encourages us to do this. Now I, I think from a young age, it makes perfect sense to, to Shabbat your kid which is what the rod is, a Shabbat. Um, that's the Hebrew under, underneath that word. I, I personally like the idea of not utilizing a physical part of my body to spank my kids. I think there's something good about externalizing it so that my kid doesn't wince or you know, flinch, rather, flinch when I, when I put my hand near him or her. Granted, there's always a context to that, so it shouldn't be like that anyway. But I like the idea of externalizing the disciplinary consequence to an object. And so we have a Shabbat. We have an actual wooden instrument that we use to spank our kids, and that's that's what it represents. We don't use it for anything else but that. And I think that's a that's one helpful piece of advice from at least my family to yours. What do you guys do, Pastor PJ? Yeah, I've... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if that was a Compass AV thing. I The Shabbat was a brand new thing to me when I got out to AV. So um, having a wooden instrument or an instrument... Now, I, I understand the concept to go grab a switch from outside and, and whatever the old Southern Is that what analogy. Your dad did? No. But... Um, I got the chunk though when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always... And worse. Yeah. I've always used my hand because it helps me know how hard I'm applying discipline to my kids when I feel the reverberation on that. So... Um, just to put it in, in frank terms, the sonic boom. when you're Right. <laughs> right. Now to your point, you've got to do the hard work after discipline of making sure that you are also consoling your, your child. They're not to comfort them to say, Hey, your sin's no big deal, but that they also understand that we are disciplining our children in love and not in anger there. So yeah, I don't think there's a hard and fast biblical law one way or the other on this, um, whichever way you do it. I think the important thing is that it's being done and it's being done in a, uh, appropriate fashion in a controlled, um, fashion that's divorced from uh, anger or desire for vengeance or your frustration or your annoyance with your kids. I think we got to be careful to discipline, uh, uh, intentionally in with a, a calm demeanor about us. Mm. If we go on to verses 23, uh, well, just verse 23, uh, we, we just this week watched the, uh, Apple, a keynote that was uh, released about the iPhone 15 and the Apple Watch 9. And my guess is that 99.9% of the people that listen to this care less than nothing. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Although they probably don't even know what we're talking about. What Apple event? There's my guess Apple is at event. least over 90% are using an iPhone. Oh, certainly at this point. Certainly they are. But and they're aware that an iPhone 15 is going to come out. I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I, I don't Maybe know. They, they do now because you told them, but I don't yeah. think they knew before this. Well, if you're an Apple nerd, like we are, Things Which like is only this, us. right? <laughs> Things like this move the needle for you because you're you're curious about okay, what's the what's the development? And and it was pretty underwhelming. I mean, there wasn't just a, a ton of of new features that are coming to the iPhone or anything else. But it's interesting because events happen and people clamor to get the device. Like they announced pre-orders are now open and the devices will be available September 22nd. And, and people are going to line up outside the Apple store September 22nd to go buy the new iPhone. And they're going to think this is good. I've got to have my hands on the latest and greatest. But what Proverbs says that we should be buying and we should be investing Standing in. Standing in line for. 2323 is buy truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Now he uses the word buy there because he's applying the, the, the metaphor. It, it doesn't cost us 
anything as far as a material investment. It costs us the investment of time. It costs us the investment of our uh, mindset, of our intellect, of our meditation to acquire truth the way that he's talking about that because we've got to give ourselves over to the study of scriptures. But he's commending us to do this and saying, this is what's really valuable. And so it's, it's worth our time to do that. Well, at risk of contradicting you, uh, let me, let me uh, augment it. There are times when you can put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. I mean, if you want to pay for a good education, for instance, um, that's the kind of thing to invest in. You invest your money and your skills, your wisdom, your understanding, that's going to have an impact on everything else of your life. So one of the things that we might think about is where you send your kids to school or where you go to school getting the finest education you can might make sense to say, I want to spend more money at this private institution because of the quality of education is, is obviously better than ABC school down the block. So something to consider or even books, if you buy books or you buy certain things for your family, those are, those are things to, to buy and to, to invest in because you want to find wisdom, instruction and understanding. Logos Bible software. That's worth the investment. It's it expensive is. though. It is. That's the Ferrari of Bible softwares better than anything else out there by head and shoulders above anything else out there. <laughs> And if anyone else buys anything else, it's like, ah, don't even, don't even do that. Don't waste your money. <laughs> There's one out there, just so you know what the inside joke is. There's another big uh, Bible software developer out there that's specifically for Apple. And Pastor PJ may or may not be invested in that one and the one that we talk about, Logos. Yeah. And they're both good. They're both good. They're both good. If Logos and the other one could get together, it'd be the best of both worlds. Dude, they should get married. They should. Have Bible software babies. <laughs> One last section there at the end, uh, dealing with drunkenness, your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of a sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I wake? I must have another drink. This is just the, the folly of drunkenness that he's laying out here. And, and, you know, when we see it exposed like that, it's why would anyone ever want to do that? But it's that pull, it's that battle, it's that temptation that we need to remind ourselves of things like this, the end of the temptation, to help us see the, the folly of it in the moment. Now, I don't know what they had access to back when Solomon compiled these Proverbs, but I would dare say that you could apply this today to things like marijuana. You're, yep. you're, not, you're not drunk in the same sense, but you are inebriated or you're intoxicated with a foreign substance, um, whether it's marijuana or some other, or even another drug. What about the drugs, Pastor PJ, where the drug actually makes you more alert, like speed. Uh, what if you're on in heroin, something that uh, kind of overclocks your awareness? Is that something different? Because that's, that's not the same thing. It certainly has an addictive element. There's, there's physical effects that can happen that are obviously very bad. I guess, how should Christians feel about drugs that do the opposite of a drunkenness? They create greater alertness. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that we have to do is we have to consider the laws of the land. Number one, not as our ultimate arbiter, because some areas, for example, marijuana is legal. That doesn't mean that a Christian should participate and use marijuana. But right. when we look at some of the more harder classified drugs, for example, heroin, heroin may make you more alert in some senses, but it's also an illegal narcotic. It's it's against the law for someone to participate in. So we're going to say, okay, that's that's base principle number one. Number two, though, I, I think we have to look at what, what does it do to the body? We have a responsibility as Christians to steward our bodies well. And so when you look at something that's a, a drug that can have side effects and not even side effects, but some direct effects on the body where it really does damage to the body, which God has made and created in the image of God. That's not something that we want to participate in to do intentional harm to the body of Christ. I would uh, carry that over even to a, a, it's a different category, but even when we think of the, the concept of somebody who's a chain smoker, right? If you think about the damage being done to the body, to the, 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 
the body that God has created to be his image bearer, uh, there's a, a, an element to where we would say, no, we shouldn't do that. But the biggest thing is we want to be sober minded. We want to be in our right mind and in control of our faculties at all times. And so when we engage in, in things that, that take us out of that natural state of, of controlled awareness of ourselves and our surroundings, our environment, we're, we're in an, an area that God would say, this is not good and, and you shouldn't be participating in that. Does that carry over into other things like our, our food, foods that we eat, perhaps, you know, like the, like there are some people that are very passionate about this food and not that food. You should have this kind of diet and not that a standard American diet is sad, SAD. And, um, a good Christian should take ownership of their body and not do this or that kind of food. Yeah. I think we get into the, at some point, a realm of conscience when it comes to the areas of food that we have to be careful not to apply our what we're con- our convictions to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So if you are somebody who eats a gluten-free diet, not because you've got a gluten intolerance, but because you're convinced that this is the best way for us, our bodies to operate, that's great. Do that. But then don't judge somebody else who doesn't do that, right? Don't shame somebody else because they let their kid have a Twinkie. There's, in in those areas, live under what is is in accordance with your conscience in that. And and that's great. Enjoy that and, and go for it. But where we get into trouble is when we try to take that and apply that when it's not a biblical precedent to somebody else's life and say, you have to live this way too. Understood. Yeah. yeah good point. All right. Chapter 24. Chapter 24. Let's talk about building our house. Verses three and four. By wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. A lot of us listening to this podcast just came out from California to Texas, moved, and you're living in a new home now. And you think about that new home, you're trying to get settled in that new home, you're trying to, to hang up pictures in the different rooms in the home, maybe you're getting new furniture, maybe you're, what, whatever it is that you're doing there. What Solomon is saying, when we consider the house of our family and of our lives, the things that we need to have contained therein and foundational is the wisdom of God, the things that he's been commending to us. And it's by the knowledge of that wisdom that the rooms are going to be filled with things that are pleasant and appealing and attractive. So it's not about, you know, going to home goods or Nebraska furniture mart, spiritually speaking. It's about, we need to be giving ourselves over to the study of God's word. And that's where wisdom is going to be found. And that's where a house is going to be established. Verse 10 of chapter 24 here. If you faint in the day of adversity, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. That's not what it says, but that's the, that's the line that we use for that song that we sang. Right. Um, I think that verse is connected to a, a few verses down here in verse 16, 15 and 16. Uh, Lie not in wait as a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous and do no violence to his home for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Um, there's a certain resilience to the righteous. The righteous man has the ability to fall down several times over and get back up again. I found something interesting in that because I never put together in my mind, at least this explicitly, there is uh, there is a, a kind of a, I don't know, there's a correlation between righteousness and strength and adversity or a resolve, a resolution to continue doing well. I love that. And mm. I never put that piece together. And I, I guess my encouragement to you, Christian, whoever's listening here, is one of the things that adversity does is strengthen the muscle of resilience. Mm. And that's what righteousness does. Certainly, it makes us long for Jesus' return, his ultimate re- renewal, uh, renewal and restoration of all things. Uh, 
but that that's connected to our, our righteousness. So if you want to grow, be okay with adversity and let God strengthen that muscle. What he's intending to do is to make you more righteous, more like Jesus who suffered and yet persisted. Do it for the joy set before you, mm. knowing that uh, someday God will indeed reward that. Yeah, verses 17 and 18 have to do with uh, the downfall of our enemy. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. So maybe you've got somebody at work who's just a, a burr in your saddle. He's a thorn in your side. And you just think to yourself, man, it'd be great if that guy got fired. Man, it'd be great if that guy got transferred to another department. Man, if that, it'd be great if that guy got demoted. And that happens. Solomon would say, don't, don't celebrate that. It's, it's not good to rejoice in the downfall of your enemy. In fact, instead, we need to trust that, that God is working in that person's life and, uh, and, and not rejoice in that. Lest, he says in verse 18, the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. And go, okay, well then, you know, now it's, let me, let me focus on you for a little bit here. Right. You need the discipline now. Right. So uh, just a, a helpful reminder to us not to be rejoicing in our enemy's downfall. Amen. Yeah. This is hard for me with sports, by the way. <laughs> Are they enemies, Pastor PJ? Is that how you think of those guys? I mean, I'm not going to, yeah. Are you a Cowboys guy? I am a Cowboys guy. Okay. So who are the enemies of Cowboys? Every other team in the division. Any other team. Every other team in the division. Every other team. Yep. I don't know what, what, well, who's in the division? Giants, Redskins, and Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Probably the Eagles, number one on that Number one enemy. Okay. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Kind of gross when you think about it, but it's meant to be a good thing. Yep. I I, I enjoy kisses from certain people, uh, particularly the women in my life. My wife being the number one woman and my daughters (laughs) being the others. Um, but I, I, I just think, <laughs> yeah, I just thought I, after I said that, I'm like, oh, you know what? Some might misunderstand that. Yeah. Um, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. It's refreshing. It's it's intimacy creating. So if you want to, if you want to know how strong your relationship is with somebody, um, assess it by determining how truthful you can be with them. Uh, the the intimacy, the truth, uh, the the intimacy that truth creates, is is really really good. You should pursue that. Be honest in your relationships. That's a that's a standard and a metric all of us should esteem. Indeed. Well, let's jump to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's coming off of talking about not losing heart. The light momentary affliction is preparing this eternal weight of glory. But then he returns to kind of our present tense and he says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. So he's talking about our our flesh, our current earthly bodies. And if this is destroyed, we know there's a building coming. And in fact, he says in verse two, in this tent, this body, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. I was thinking about that because this morning my, my sweet daughter got up out of bed and she just came out into our family room and I was sitting there doing my DBR and she goes, daddy, I'm so tired. She's like, I'm so tired. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I felt for her. And in fact, I felt some of that this morning too. I got up out of bed and it was one of those tireds that just, it just hurts to be awake. Yeah. Like, it's not that you're sore. It's just like, man, it just hurts to be awake. Yeah. I want to go to bed. And you can trace that. You know, here's my, my daughter feeling the same thing. And it's just, it's an effect of the fall. It's an effect of this broken world. And these tents groan. And, and we long for putting on, putting off these tents and putting on the heavenly bodies, the glorified bodies that we talked about back in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's talking about here, that that's a, a, something that we need to understand is is natural for us. So, Let's let's be clear though in this in this first section in chapter five he, he it seems like he's talking about the intermediate state where when we put off this body if if the natural thing happens and we die without Jesus coming back to renew us we are away from our body present with the Lord but we don't possess a body in the intermediate state right right 
Okay, you're away from the microphone. <laughs> I got <laughs> right. you at the wrong time. Right. We're away from our bodies, and therefore, in that sense, we are, according to Paul, we're naked. Yes. Talk to us about the intermediate state. Is that, am I going to be ashamed of myself in, in, in eternity? No. As you're of not right gonna, now? No, you're not going to be ashamed. But there's a, there's the awareness that we will have that because we are spirit beings at that in that in that intermediate state. Only spirit beings at that Only point. spirit beings, right. Because our earthly bodies are here, right? And and that's when you bury the, the body, the body goes into the ground. It, it, it stays in that coffin until the last trumpet, until the Lord comes back for the church and, and the glorified bodies are given to the saints. In this intermediate state, we are spirit beings who long for the full glorification. We long for our glorified bodies. I don't think it's a sense of depravity of going man i feel depraved or or that i'm lacking something naked right afraid because we're with the lord we are it's an already not yet right i mean we are already experiencing the glory of heaven but not yet the full glory when we'll have our glorified bodies yeah that's exciting but also a bit strange if we die we're in the intermediate state no no physical body waiting for us to be reunited with that body that's interesting yeah and if you're gonna say what's that like i have no idea let me tell you all about it yeah hit me up in about uh, let's call it a good 80 to a hundred years. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> you're, you're planning on going strong, man. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's, that, that's my safe bet. It's my or, safe bet. Or maybe, you know what? If God's gracious, maybe we'll fly before we die. That'd be nice. Man. And we'll end I up uh, upset. with Jesus in the, without having to go through the intermediate state. That'd be great. Anyways, he goes on to talk about being at home or away. You've heard this before, but I think the the point that we want to drive home is verse nine, whether we're at home or away. In other words, whether we're alive or whether we die and we go to be with the Lord, our aim is this. We want to please the Lord with everything that we do. Why? Because verse 10. Now, this is an interesting note for us to, to consider, Christian. We must all be appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is what we refer to as the Bema seat. Mm. This is not the great white throne. The great white throne judgment in Revelation is for unbelievers. It's for the lost. And that's that's a final casting into the lake of fire. That's a, a final sentencing where the dead are judged by the deeds that they've done. Now here, Christians are judged by the deeds that they've done, but this Ooh. is the Bema seat. This is where we receive reward for being faithful and obedient to God and, and doing the things that he's called us to do, or where we will suffer loss for uh, the, the sins that we've done and the, the wrong motives that we've had and, and things along those lines. So this is not a, Hey, whether or not you're going to get into heaven judgment, this is a, how much reward, what's your star? How brightly is your star going to shine? A lot of first Corinthians 15. Uh, that's what's going Going on here in the assessment. So with that in mind, we should want to live in a way that pleases the Lord while we're here. How do we reconcile the idea that we're going to be happy in heaven and yet we're going to suffer some loss here? How, how is there a sense of, uh, do, do we have regret or is that feeling not there entirely? Yeah. And that's, that's, I think I mentioned it a, a couple episodes ago. I, I do wonder if this will be that last moment of regret that we experience. Maybe these are the tears he wipes away from our eyes. Exactly. Like, I could have done better. I could have done better. Right. Lord. Right. Thou sweat it kid. Because honestly, I, I, I think everyone's going to have that sense in that moment. I mean, yeah, I don't I'm even nervous about it. The most godly person that you can conceive of, I think at that moment is going to say, man, I, I, there, I wasted some stuff. Yeah. I wasted time. Um, Which is interesting. How, how's the Lord going to handle that? Like, hey, you're being commended for all these things. You're a faithful here, 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 here. You could have had this. So I'm taking it away. You're not going to have that. But you still yeah. get to go inside. Here's your, here's your place. I, I just think there's going to be such an overwhelming joy over the, the reality, of, the full reality of the gospel that we're experiencing in that moment that I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to envelop us and consume any regret or shame or guilt or, you know, I wish I could have. I hope so. I hope you're right on that. Cause I get the sense from texts like this that I'm going to feel it. 
And I'm, I'm nervous about that. I'm not saying you won't feel it, but I, I don't think it's going to last. I don't think it's going to last. I don't think we're walking through eternity looking at, you know, right. I neighbor yeah. Joe's house going dude, that one's <laughs> that so much bigger mine. than mine. Well, okay. Here's something then Let, let's talk real quick. Jesus talks about mansions in heaven. Is everybody getting a mansion? Clarify that. I, I think we need to be care, careful about how far we press that. When we look at the description of the new Jerusalem in revelation 21, um, kings are, are bringing tribute and leading their people into the new Jerusalem and, and bringing offerings to, to the throne there. So it, 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 everybody doesn't live on the same, same street in the new Jerusalem. It's not like it's a, a street with, you know, millions and billions of houses on it. We're going to populate the new world. And you know, that I, what is that going to look like? I, I don't fully know, uh, but I, I know we're going to be content because we're not going to have the sinfulness in our hearts to be discontent. We're not going to have the sense of, of man, I, I, I covet or I envy because there's no sin there. Right. So we're going to be content with whatever dwelling we have. Could our dwellings reflect this scene here in second Corinthians five? Yeah. I think it's, it's possible. Is that for sure? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how far we press the mansions metaphor there. Yeah. So in case you're not tracking John 13, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There's many rooms. If that were not the case, I would not have told you. Um, the King James actually uses the word mansions, which is why the idea has perpetuated. But I, I, I'm with you, Pastor PJ. I don't know that there's an actual mansion that God's building for us. I think that's a very, uh, and pardon me, if you, if you if this is you, you think that we're going to go have mansions. I think that's our worldly mentality, kind yeah. of forecasting our future mentality. Yeah. Um, and not to say that there won't be something. I, I don't know what our living conditions are going to look like, but there's not even going to be night there. And yeah. I guess we'll talk about that when we get to Revelation. But such a cool exciting concept. to think about what the future holds. Don't limit the future by your present understanding of wealth and honor here and now. Right. And, and we'll talk about that more when we get there. But I think a good application of that is we should take naps during the day. Amen. Because if, we, if we're going to have to learn to sleep with I, no night. I like where this is going. We should just take naps during the day. Let's do this. Let's institute Starting a siesta. today. Siestas <laughs> from one to three. Anyways, well, where he goes from here is talking about, hey, if this is true, if all this is coming, then what do we need to be doing? Well, the love of Christ, he says, compels us or controls us in verse 14, that we need to get the message out there that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And and listen, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him. And what's he calling us to do? Well, the rest of the chapter says he's calling us to be his ambassadors. We are going out now to his law, to his world, to, to proclaim his gospel to the lost in the world. And we are even, as it says in verse 20, begging, that's the word implore. We are pleading, we are begging with people to be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. That's that's what we're calling people to because why? Because of the, the, the main thrust of the message, and that's verse 21, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. That's the key that's going to put us at the Bema seat and not the great white throne. And that's the message that we need to go out as Christians and make sure that the world knows and understands. Bring it. Well, we thank you for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yes, Tune in again do. tomorrow for yet another one. Better be there. Lord willing. I'm, I'll be looking. Deuces, gooses. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.